Hey, welcome back. Welcome back, Andrew Tolva. An actual Tolva Tuesday on a Tuesday. How about that? Only took us I'm like the entire season. Back. We finally got one. <laughs> uh, so this week, you know, only thing on the docket really is the Pro Bowl. I don't care about that at all. Uh, oh, come on. You don't want to see Mac Jones? No. I don't. Uh, the NFL awards are next Thursday, but we're not really going to talk about it next week because we're going to talk about the actual game and then probably something stupid. You know how we do. Uh, so we're going to talk about the awards this week. And uh, I mean, where do we want to start? I feel like a lot of them are pretty self-explanatory. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's going to win them and whatnot, but I'm sure, you know. Well, I mean, we can give a dark be. horse for some. Yeah. All right, so whatever word yeah, you want to start with, Tolva. I, I like to start with rookie of the year. Um, I'm going to start with offensive rookie, and then, I'll go, then we can go to defensive next. But my offensive rookie of the year, um, I've gone back and forth throughout the year, but I think the clear choice is Jamar Chase. Um, I, I was I was riding the Mac Jones train for like a week or two, but there's just this unexplainable it factor that Jamar Chase has. The biggest games, the biggest scenes, the clutchest times, he just always comes up with a big play. And he and jo- jo- Joe Burrow have a ridiculous chemi- chemistry that's clearly carried over from college. Obviously, he's still in the playoffs, so we still get to enjoy watching him. But for me, that's pretty easy. My dark horse... I'm not really sure if I have one. I have a super dark horse. Amon Ross St. Brown, do I think he's going to get it? Not a snowball's chance in hell, but I think he was one of the best offensive rookies this year. And he showed up big for the Lions when they had no real receiving talent. He can play from outside or the slot. He's a twitchy route runner, and he's got good hands. The occasional explosive play, but he, he's been a great receiver for them, great rookie. And if they can pick up a wide receiver one like I have them doing in the draft or in free agency, their cap space, I think Amon Ross St. Brown will be one of the best top five wide receiver twos in the NFL as he develops. Uh, yeah, what about you guys, offensive rookie of the year? Yeah, I was going the same here, Jamar Chase. I think he's a clear front runner for this. The way he improved that. Uh, Bengals offense, how he helped Joe Burrow develop from year one to year two is just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I think we Dark all mind. What Come is on. it, Rondale Moore or something? No, Devin McPherson, <laughs> top three kicker oh. in the league. He is a top three kicker in the league, I will say. As a rookie, he's a top three kicker. And that deserves more appreciation. Top two and not two. Evan McPherson definitely deserves more hype than he's getting. I mean, kickers don't get much hype as it is, but he's doing this as a rookie. Yeah. So, okay. Then who's your dark horse? I guess Jamar Chase. Yeah. Bryce, you got a dark horse? Uh, geez. I guess it would have to be Mac Jones solely because, because it's quarterback because he's right. a quarterback. Right. Yeah, I mean, positional value still plays into these things. That's why quarterbacks win the MVP almost every year. Defensive rookie of the year, 
this has been set in stone for me since before the season even began. Micah Parsons is clearly the defensive rookie of the year. And for me, he's seriously in the thick of defensive player of the year talks. But as a defensive rookie, he was just the ultimate chess piece for Dan Quinn. Wherever Dan Quinn needed to line him up that week, inside linebacker, any of the three spots, Sam, Will, or Mike, he played defensive end. He would rush from the inside, too. And he played slot a couple snaps. I mean, he's just a freak athlete. Whatever he's doing, he's way above average at it. He's a great pass rusher. He got 13 sacks, broke the rookie record, and he was drafted to and plays half of the time off-ball linebacker. So it's kind of ridiculous, really, just the stat line that he's put up, the impact that he's had on this Cowboys defense. And there is no one that compares to him for me. Um, I don't really know about any... Dark horses. I like Azizo Jalari a lot. I like his tape. He didn't usually when he got to the quarterback for a sack, it was because the quarterback held the ball too long and didn't throw it away. But his pressure rate was super high. And I've loved him since he was a draft prospect. You guys can see my old scouting reports on him, but I really like Azizo Jalari and I think his future is bright. So defensive rookie of the year chat, but not really in the talks. Yeah, we're pretty much on the same same uh, wavelengths here. I gotta go with. I, see what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta go with uh, Michael Parsons. So, like you said, it wherever you line him up that week, he'll play it and he'll dominate. Whether it's pass rush, whether it's linebacker, he's gonna play that and he's gonna do it really well. Totally, yeah. dark horse. Question mark? Of course, yeah. I gotta go Patrick Certain. Okay, yeah, no, he was a great corner for, for Denver, and he was as advertised NFL ready. Uh, yeah, Micah Parsons, and I don't have a dark horse. I, you think I know that many defensive rookies? Yeah, you're right. That's on me. Um, how about we get into some more of the exciting talks, like offensive player of the year? Ooh, ah. For me, it's not really, it really is not a question. I think it's Cooper Cup. And I think Cooper Cup deserves to be in the MVP conversation. He broke the all-time single season, including the playoffs record for all-purpose yards by a wide receiver. Who would have thought this little white boy from Eastern Washington or wherever he came from would be dominating like this, but he's such a polished wide receiver. His technique is 10 out of 10. And I just, he was, the best offensive player in the National Football League this year. He deserves the award. Dark Horse, I don't really have one. I think Jamar Chase deserves to be in that conversation because he was incredible this year. But there was no running back that had a Christian McCaffrey 2019 season, which will usually take the cake. I think Jonathan Taylor deserves to be in the talks with Cooper Cup, but I, I just think Cooper Cup was the best offensive player on the field in every single game he played. Yeah, I'm not stealing uh, Tolvas here or anything, but I have Cooper Cup too. I mean, we he did something this year that we haven't seen from a wide receiver probably since uh, prime Kelvin Johnson. Like the stats he put up with Matthew Stafford year one were just phenomenal. And double coverage and stuff, too. I mean, it's not like defenses were ignoring him. Yeah, I feel like Jonathan Taylor would have 
been like a, I mean, if Cooper Cup didn't break all those records and then people are like, oh, 18 games or 17 games, whatever. Yeah. Like he would have, but yeah, I mean, it's gotta be Cooper Cup. But if Jonathan Taylor won it, I don't think anybody would be, you know, all up in arms about it. I think that would yeah, be Yeah, no, very... I think Jonathan Taylor is deserving. He had a ridiculously good year, way more explosive of a player than we initially thought. But, man, watching Cooper Cup is like watching Madden on rookie mode. So hats off to Cooper Cup. He really did it this year. Defensive player of the year, I think this one's also locked down Pat, TJ Watt. Um, that's not really a question. I mean, he was literally destroying five-person lines full of 300-pound men, and he was just single-handedly wrecking opposing offenses and their game plans. Not really up for debate to me. I think T.J. Watt was maybe even the best player in the league this year. Um, as for a dark horse, um, if you ever are thinking to yourself, Trayvon Diggs has a chance, I suggest you turn around and walk out the door. Head over. I'll go Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett. 1,000. Yeah, no, I mean, it's ridiculous. It's like the Jameis Winston stat line for cornerbacks. But um, I'm going to go Miles Garrett because he was, he was also just truly disruptive off the edge. Every single snap he played, he pressured the quarterback. I mean, he's just a freak of nature. So I'm going to go Miles Garrett. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with T.J. Watt and Aaron Donald. Dark Horse MVP is – or uh, Defensive Player of the Year is Aaron Donald. I think T.J. Watt is self-explanatory. You don't really got to say much because he he was like one sack away from breaking the record. Right. Yeah, I mean, T.J. Watt broke the record in less games than Michael Strahan did it in. So mm -hmm. can't beat him there. But, like, I don't know. I feel like Miles Garrett, maybe, you know, maybe a weird. It's, uh, it's possible. Yeah, you know. What do they call it? TFL for TJ White? The tackle for loss. Yeah. Yeah, they did. But, I mean, I, th I think we don't talk enough about Miles Garrett, even though he just keeps getting overshadowed by these ridiculous defensive seasons. Miles Garrett has been ridiculous ridiculously consistent too i mean technically he's gotten so much better obviously he's an athletic freak but even when he missed games due to injury or due to trying to assault mason rudolph he's always picked up right where he left off and he is really just what he does is illegal in some places i mean that man is physical as all get out so i, I do think miles garrett deserves to be in the conversation all right let's get let's get a little spicy tova hasn't been here in a while so we'll actually, you know, I feel like we'll have three different opinions. Maybe Bryce and I will agree. Who is coach of the year? Coach of the year. That's difficult for me because there was no one that felt like they really just, their coaching is the reason their team went over the top or went, you know, made such a drastic change. Um, I, I came up with mine in like two minutes. Zach Taylor deserves to be in the conversation for what he's done to that Bengals organization. He was atrocious play calling last year, but he really has taken the next step. I think Matt LaFleur is likely going to win it just because he coached a super good regular season Green Bay Packers. Um, this might just be the Saints fan, fan in me, though. Um, 
I think Sean Payton deserves to be in the conversation. Saints broke the most, the record for the most starters played in a season with, I believe, 58. Won nine games, went through four quarterbacks, didn't have Michael Thomas all year, had to deal with injuries and COVID, and even he was out for a game. So, like, I just think Sean Payton deserves to be in that talk. Yeah, I got to go uh, Zach Taylor. The way the Bengals improved from last year only winning four games to right now, the way he's coached, I know you said uh, play calling was an issue, but he still coached that team really well. That that surprised me, Bryce. I mean, like, it, it makes kind of sense because, you know, you, you said Zach Taylor was a doofus or something and wasn't ready, and I keep bringing that up, but I just, you know, I just like doing it. Uh I thought we were both in the Richie B camp. I don't Me know enough. why, like, the, the fact that the Raiders picked Josh McDaniels over Rich Passaccia is ridiculous. The, the fact that the they players picked, are picked, furious. Yeah, the, yeah. the fact that they picked happy. Josh McDaniels over anyone is mind-boggling, let alone over uh, Rich Passaccia. No, like, I mean, there there have been a ton of reports today that came out that said that players are pissed that Rich Passaccia yeah. is not the head coach right now. He's a player's coach. Everyone yeah. loves him right away. And he's a good coach. Like, let's not, let's not front here. I mean, he's a special teams coordinator, but he's a good football coach, and he knows how to lead a group of men. Yeah, like, Rich Passaccia, when you look at somebody who was like, like you said, Tolvin, none of these people, like, made their I don't remember exactly how you ordered it sorry but uh you know like when you think of just like a coach gathering a group of 53 men and getting the most out of them week in and week out blocking out all the outside noise this and that like it's got to be Richie B honestly you look at that Raiders roster there are some holes and he covered it up I mean I think Richie serious head coach head coaching considerations I mean as a special special teams coach he he really is just a leader of men he knows how to get the most out of his guys that brought me to another question does do we think Rich Passaccia has a legit chance at a head coaching job yeah legit yes because where do you think he gets it players will vouch for him and he put on tape this year his schemes, both offensive and defensive. I mean, he worked with both coordinators to get a solid game plan before every game. It's not like this is some coach that went 17-0 and with some ragtag, you know, people he picked up off the sidewalk. Like, this is a special teams coordinator that came into a, a tough situation with a decent, I would say, average Raiders team. And he got the most out of them. And not only that, but got the team to fall in love with him. And he did that in like 13 games or something, less than that maybe. So, I mean, really, I, I just come back to goes that way. Yeah, I, I, he he's just when you have a leader of men in the locker room, people that really respect you and want to play hard for you. That's you know you can figure out scheming with coordinators and stuff like that. But even then, he had a good scheme. I really, Rich Passaccia was impressive. And you heard towards the end of the season, Raiders players said, like, yeah, this time of the year, you know, John Gruden doesn't take his foot off the gas. He just keeps working us later on after the bye, this and that. And they were like, you know, Bisaccia understands it. And then, you know, they made it to the playoffs still after all of this, 
after a coach getting fired and you know we talked about with no talent on any any side of the ball yeah yeah losing their number one receiver cornerbacks just a mess deshaun jackson not that like he didn't do bad he just doesn't really do anything besides like josh catch every four games. Here. yeah i mean you know what what what's really is the play of Derek carr and what rich Passaccia got out of him like he got the most out of Derek carr and made him look above average and Derek Carr said he he was he told media that he was he wanted to play for Rich Passaccia again. Like clearly, this dude has an impact on the players, and they feel like they don't need to have some Pro Bowl roster to make the playoffs because they have him as their leader. It it, it I'm a little baffled that he's not their head coach right now, but it is what it is. Maybe DC and uh, Rich link up in Jacksonville. Maybe they're done totally. with Trevor. They. They want to go to a veteran. All right. So I'm glad nobody said Mike Rabel because that is just like the laziest pick for coach of the year. Right. He, I don't think he really deserved coach of the year. He won. He lost the only player on offense that was elite before AJ Brown got his chance when the running game died, but literally he lost his two time, 2000 yard rusher made it to the playoffs as the one seed. Lost in the first round, but he's the coach of the year. No, not when you have Julio Jones and AJ Brown on your offense too. All right, um, Bryce, do you do you agree that this Rabel coach of the year talk is kind of dumb? Oh yeah, it's dumb. And Tova hit it, hit the nail on the head. Like you have talent on each side of the ball. You sacked Joe Burrow nine and a half times, and you still couldn't get uh, the one. The win in the first round. It just it baffles me. And like if they played in the NFC West and they still lost in the first round, like I get it, you know, you had three playoff teams. This had one. It was just them. The Colts should have made it, granted, but the Texans were bad. The Jaguars were even worse. So when six of your games are against those people, and yeah, like when they lost Eric Carr, they were not the same team at all. Yeah, they still won because they should have beaten those teams with or without Derek or Derek Henry, said Derek Carr before. But yeah. All right. I'm glad that glad that we agree on that. I didn't I thought one of you might say Mike Rabel, but I'm happy we didn't. No. We're smarter. We're smarter than that, Stephen. I mean, they don't I don't know if they do it like on the big awards show thing, but let's talk about coordinators. Obviously, Bryce, you know, your coordinator became a head coach. I don't think he would have won Offensive Coordinator of the Year anyways, but uh, either of you guys got somebody you'd like to name that? As the Offensive Coordinator of the Year? Yeah. Assistant. Whatever. The best Offensive offensive Assistant of the Year? Whatever. Mm, You know, I'm going to say as mm, it's kind of hard. I really really like Byron Leftwich. I think his offense is really good his his schemes and he just shows a great amount of football IQ in the plays that he calls he's a good play caller that's another thing but I mean he just got the most out of his guys he got the most out of Leonard Fournette made him look like he like his old his old self and you know after guys like Chris Godwin went down and Antonio Brown departed 
he got the most out of his backup receivers. And, you know, he's keeping guys like Gronk looking elite. I just think, I think Byron Leftwich, his scheme is, is adapting to the new, new NFL and the, the level at which defenses are getting. And, and he was the most impressive to me. Yeah, I mean, I really got nobody because COVID took Leftwich on me. But um, I really, really you think Leftwich too? Yeah, I do. I didn't think that. I didn't think that would be the consensus. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. He got the most out of everybody. He ran a great Buccaneers offense with very little talent towards end of the season. I mean, the lazy pick would have been Eric Bianmi, but we'll get into why that's not a great pick another time. Mm-hmm. Save that for another podcast. But no, I mean, if you were the best this year. at your position of that year, that means you were the best over 17 games. And yeah. and and uh, enemy was And not. that offense looked hot all 17 games, including to some degree the playoffs. Totally. Um. I don't know if I would have picked Leftwich. Like, I feel like he had a really good offense and they did really well. Uh, but then again, I don't, I don't know who I would have picked. There's not a lot of like consensus offense. Yeah, I feel like, like it's, it's like going to be the enemy and Leftwich, and the enemy doesn't really deserve it. Last 10 games of the year, Devil, I think. Yeah. But, but he's no. still been streaky this year, though. Yeah, no, over 17 games, I, I believe it's Byron Leftwich. I really can't think of, of anyone that was better um, on the offensive side of the ball. But, you know, I since the Saints lost Sean Payton, I've been doing a lot of research on coaching candidates. There is a lot of talent in, as far as defensive minds go. Yeah, there, there are is. a lot of good defensive coordinators and assistants in, in the league right now. I mean, which, I don't know if, if which if one of I them you think pick, was the best, like uh, DC of the season. I'm I did like try, Martindale. I'm gonna try and make this the least biased that I can. I do think it was Dennis Allen. If you look at it surface level, he was without Marcus Davenport for. I think it was seven games. He was without Cameron Jordan because of COVID and DeMario Davis and Marshawn Lattimore missed time. Like the only 16 game starter on defense, the two were, no, there was only one. And I think it was Paulson Adivo. So, I mean, he's getting the most out of these undrafted free agents on the interior of the line. Linebackers look incredible. Like he developed Pete Werner during training camp and he's ready to take over Quan Alexander's role still getting the most out of DeMario Davis, still coaching up a great secondary. I mean, the way that their defense played this year, it surprised me as a Saints fan, and I knew what we had in Dennis Allen and those players. Through adversity, he won games, shut out the Bucks. Byron Leftwich, best offensive coordinator of the year, took him 9-0. and I feel biased saying it, but to me, he was the best defensive coordinator in the NFL this year. I mean, yeah, Wink Martindale deserves some luck for that. Um, you mentioned assistance. I really like Jim Schwartz this year. Mm. 
I don't even was there something. Go I ahead. don't even remember what team he or he's a part of. I think it's a Titans as a defensive assistant. Is he? Yeah. You know, if we're talking assistants, one of my favorite assistants over the last three years, if any assistant, non-coordinator, non-former head coach deserves a head coaching job, I think it's Mike, Mike Kafka in Kansas City, quarterback yeah. coach. He's been incredible. The way he's and improved he knows how to run Mahomes from year one to now. It's ridiculous because he keeps He deserves 100% better. credit for Mahomes' uh, progression. Oh, totally. Okay, Andy Reid is the one calling the plays. Mike Kafka is the one telling him this is the kind of quarterback we have. These are the plays you can run. I think Mike Kafka deserves a head coaching job in the NFL. In fact, I'm hoping that the Saints interview him. If you can grab a guy like Mike Kafka, develop a quarterback, I mean, really, he's going to be a hot topic for anyone that knows they're going to snag a quarterback and they need someone to develop it. They know he can call plays and he's a good leader. He's going to be great. Learning behind if, Andy Reid and the enemy. If a team like the Texans ends up losing Pep Hamilton to, I don't know, somewhere else, I think Kafka would be a great candidate for offensive coordinator there. Totally. And I even then, I think that would be underselling him. Like, I think this dude is head coach material. Oh, at least if it doesn't happen this cycle, which it probably won't, it's going to happen next year. Yeah. Totally. No, he, he definitely deserves a ton of the credit for Mahomes' success. Do you have, do you know about Mike Kafka, Heimers? I thought you were no. talking about Kauffman Stadium where the Royals played at first. No, he, he is totally responsible. I would say 85% responsible for the success of Patrick Mahomes. Nice. Yeah, that, that's a good one. Assistants are a good one. Um, I, w- I would say a, a good award that we we don't, you know, isn't given out at official award shows, but who's a breakout player for next year? Someone that is going to burst onto the hmm. scene. This Can is be for, offensive or defense. For the 2022-23 season? Correct. All right. He's well, going to say Berrios. <laughs> I was. Cooper Cup, Not anymore. Cooper. I had a nice, I had a nice introduction all laid out for him, but you know, the FB analyst had to steal that one from me too. I mean, if he isn't going to go with one, I'm going to go with a fan of the show, Davis Mills. Mm. I love that you've come around. I knew you listened to me during draft season. No. I've been on him since. I know we honestly talked about him. We all have everyone at the sports wave called Davis Mills. We have proof. We all called Davis Mills. Nah, if he can develop, I think Pep Hamilton is, is capable of developing a quarterback. Oh, they, he did it with uh, Justin Herbert last year and he made Davis Mills like a look like a first round pick. The Texans were not as awful as people thought this year. They were not as atrocious. It's just talent. It's talent. It is a lack of talent. In fact, I thought David Coley was a good coach, but it is what it is. My he was, but he was always going to be a one-year, one and done. Yeah. Um, my 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 breakout candidate for next year is Justin Herbert, and you might be saying to yourself, "What? Like he's already broken out. He's a great player." I think he he solidifies himself as a top three quarterback next year. He hasn't he goes reached the ceiling. 
no, he has not. And I was telling a friend, the future of this league is in great hands. Guys like Joe Burrow, especially in Justin AFC. Herbert, totally. Yeah, no, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, the top three, I would say, are you got Josh Allen in the mix, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray. I'm excited to see what Trevor Lawrence and Trey Lance can do. I mean, the future of the league is in good hands. So you really look and you say once Brady and Rodgers are gone and who who's going to take that number one mantle? And I think it is a freeway race between Mahomes, who's in the lead, Herbert and Burrow. But don't don't be fooled. It is a close race. Burrow and Herbert are two of the best talents in the last 25 years at quarterback. They are incredible football players. I think Justin Herbert is going to tear shit up. MVP. All right. I mean, we still got a little bit of time. So before we get into this heated MVP debate, which everybody wants to listen to, what is, okay. So it's Monday night right now, right? We won't be back until next Tuesday night, but really next Wednesday. So by next Wednesday, what narrative are we going to be talking about in this year's Super Bowl? How Justin Burrow went from from the from literally the bottom to the top. I mean, whether he wins or loses, I think he has solidified himself as one of the most elite players in the league. But also, I do think that the Bengals are going to win. The way that their defense has been playing, like, has anyone been watching Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson in the playoffs? Their defensive coordinator, Lou Benaramo, has been fantastic. My God. Like, I knew Trey Hendrickson was capable of this. I I knew we didn't have the money to resign him last year, but I was trying to telepathically tell every team in the league, this dude is not a one-year hit. He's been showing flashes of greatness for so long, and he finally clicked it all together, like – this dude is an incredible pass rusher. He has like over three and a half, four sacks already through three games in the playoffs. He has just been a wrecking ball on defense. Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt playing great football at linebacker. DJ Reader, one of the most underrated free agent signings of the last two years. Huge, huge impact nose tackle. One tier below Vita Vea. And, and on the back end, Chidobi Awuzie has been great. Obviously, they have probably the best safety duo in the league. Von Bell, another player that I knew was going to be great. But, um, yeah, I mean, once they replace Eli Apple, his bum ass, next year, their defense is going to be scary. And I used to tell people that their defense was just inconsistent, so you didn't know what was going to happen. Are they going to lose to the Mike White Jets? Or are they going to beat Mahomes and the Chiefs? They've been consistent through the playoffs. They have consistently picked up where they left off and they've been antagonizing quarterbacks. Give me the Bengals. Also, Joe Shiesty for life. That's the storyline. If I got to pick a different one from Joe Burrow, I got to say the emergence of Odell Beckham, how great he's looked from the first half of the season with the Browns to now with a a good quarterback. It's making him look like his – first two or three seasons with the Giants he's actually found new life uh in his career he could really uh, get a nice bag in free agency yeah uh kind of off of Tolva's point 
I think Monday and Tuesday and the beginning of next Wednesday, we will see no less than 4,000 Joe Burrow posts. Oh, it's 100%. going to be everywhere. I assume media nights on Monday night next week. Oh, everything, that's going to be good. Everything he's going to say will be clipped and taken out of context and blah, blah, blah. Eli Apple somehow is going to get like, you know, how they have like the group A and group B. <laughs> Eli Apple's going to yep. be in group A for some reason. Like that media I night is, want, if, might be better than the game, honestly. If Eli Apple can give up 350 yards and six touchdowns and the Bengals still win, that is the best case scenario, in my opinion, as a Saints fan. Screw Eli Apple. But <laughs> that's just me. I do want to say, I, I've been watching Joe Burrow since he was in college, obviously, but I watched the whole season because I'm an LSU fan. And there's something about Joe Burrow when you watch him on film that it's not like the acrobatic, insane, can't believe he did that throws of Patrick Mahomes, but he just has, he has the it factor. He will make the best play available. He's going to make it. If someone's open down the field, he's going to make that throw. If the best play is for him to take the sack, he's going to take the sack. He is so smart and he's just, he is adjusting mid game so fast right now. He's the first first overall pick to go to a Super Bowl in the first two years of their career. This dude has the potential to be one of the all-time greats. It's just all coming up and bubbling up now in the playoffs because the Bengals of all teams are the team he's on and they're winning playoff games. All right. The final award, most valuable player. I think we all know, but give me somebody not named Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or Cooper Cup that could win, which really slims the field, I realize now. No. No, I I think offensively, my top candidate outside of those three is regular season Joe Burrow. Let's not just think that because he's in the playoffs and he's playing well, that's the only time he's played well. He's done this all year, right? We've watched Joe Burrow. We all watch football. We've seen what Joe Burrow has done all year. I don't really want to go into that. I know I might get some flack for that, but he recency buyers or whatever, but he really was the, one of the best, most valuable players to his team in the whole league. Defensively, I'm going to go Aaron Donald because even though the stats aren't 20 whatever sacks, whatever he used to have, he is just like, he's still that guy. He's still embarrassing people on national television and making huge plays, especially when his team needs them. Like you guys look at, his, his sacks in the playoffs and what the play he made against Garoppolo, the last play of the 49ers offense, Aaron Donald is always in the mix. 50 yards downfield, five yards behind the backfield, doesn't matter. He's always, he's always there. Gracie, what about you? Yeah, if we're slimming down the race, I'm going to have to go with uh, Jonathan Taylor. His there was like 10, 12 games during the season where he was just probably one of the best players in the league, like top five players in the league. Like there was no stopping that man. And I realize he had four touchdowns against the Bills, but that was just that was phenomenal watching him. Like I will that was say, Prime Adrian Peterson. 
it sucks when one single player is destroying your team, but it's also like, damn, this is pretty, this is pretty cool. Yeah. Like he's playing really well right now. Yeah. It was Primator and Pearson, what we were seeing from John Taylor. Yeah, no, I mean, he was explosive as all get out and he could also carry a pile of six linemen with him. <laughs> yeah, I, I probably would have said uh, Jonathan Taylor, TJ Watt. Cause like you saw when TJ Watt didn't play, it was a totally different team and, made the Steelers like just that much more unwatchable. And the only reason why you wanted to watch Steelers was because of TJ Watt. They don't make the playoffs without him. No, they don't at all. They, they have, have no the with talent him. on they have no talent on offense. Mm-mm. Najee Harris literally has no one blocking for him. And it's sad too because he's it's shown, hard to watch. He's shown like great flashes of what he, he can he be with like a Jonathan good offensive Taylor. line. He's yeah. explosive, and he's got tree trunks for legs, and he can carry but people with him. But he's going to have games where he rushes 20 times for 50 yards, and it's because of that offensive line. That offensive line is arguably the worst in the league. It was so hard to watch Steelers fans think they were going to have a good offensive line in Big Ben's last year. Be more of this. Kendrick Green's that. No, okay. Go spend some money. Go spend some quality draft pick. That was – Probably the worst place for uh, Najee Harris to, Najee Harris to be go. drafted. Yeah, he said he was either. I was watching this like pre-draft show that he was on with Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle, um, like the Rocket Mortgage House or something. And he said, at this point, it's the Cardinals or the Steelers, and it was right before the draft. So it was kind of always going to be a, a, a bad offensive line. offensive line. Yeah. So I'm trying not to talk too poorly of the Cardinals on, on his show. It's true though. Yeah. It's fine. They're out now. What are you going to do? Could have been us, the Jets. But, I mean, they didn't even make the playoffs. That's just an unnecessary blow. <laughs> At least they have Braxton Berrios. Well, he's a free agent, so fingers crossed. All right, Bryce, you probably got like 40 seconds. Say something about the Pro Bowl because for some reason you keep trying to like force this Pro Bowl propaganda on me. I've only been saying it as a joke, but the fact that Mac Jones is in the Pro Bowl really speaks volumes of how highly regarded this this is around the league. Yeah. It's the all-pro teams that they care about. Yeah. Like they, they, they care about Pro Bowls, but they care more about All Pro. It takes me back to when I'll, I'll abbreviate this, but when Tyrod Taylor and Trevor Simeon were in the Pro Bowl in 2017, 2018. Yeah. This is a good really? negative place to end it on. Yeah, that was a bad one. That was like the first one in Orlando, too. 